you can do more, you can be more. The average human at 40% of their capacity taps out. You know, we never push ourselves that hard, whether it's with academics or work or our relationships or what have you. So we never realize the greatness that we have inside. Welcome everybody to the show. Um, today my guest is Joe Templin and Joe describes himself as the human Swiss army knife, uh, special needs parents, an ultra runner, uh, author of a number one new release, Everyday Excellence, martial artist and human Kaizen expert. Joe, welcome to the show. Roger, morning. Yeah. Um, tell us, Joe, what was the thing that you crossed off your bucket list? Uh, off my bucket list, there have been multiple ones. One of the biggest ones was doing an ultra marathon. Okay. Because, so <laughs> you know, when I was young, I'm like, there is no way I will ever do anything like that. That's crazy. And then eventually crazy becomes commonplace. Sure. So explain to the audience what an ultra marathon is. Most people know what a marathon is, but what's an ultra marathon? So an ultra marathon is technically anything over the 26.2 miles of a marathon. Okay. So about six years ago, I started getting involved in Ragnars, which are 200-ish mile team relay races. And each person runs 16 or 18 miles. And so you run, then you sit in the van while the rest of that group runs. And then the, you switch off with the other van and you sleep on the floor of a gym or you know out in the woods or whatever. Then you run again <laughs> and repeat, repeat, repeat. And so... I did that uh, multiple times. I don't know. I've probably done 20 of them at this point. Wow. And during COVID, one of the members of my team said, hey, let's do something crazy so we don't go insane. And we started putting together these virtual races for us, like virtual 5K, virtual beer mile, midnight uh, five kilometer run. Uh, you know, uh, virtual Ragnar, where we were literally uh, mailing stuff back and forth to <laughs> let the next runner go. That one actually failed miserably thanks to the U.S. Postal Service. But we decided, hey, let's do a backyard ultra. So what that was supposed to be was that every hour from the start, you would commit to doing your one, two, or three miles. And so you'd go and you'd run three miles. And then at the start of the next hour, you'd have to run your next one and your next one. And you know how many of these could we do? And I actually started at 5 a.m. instead of 9 a.m. because for some reason I got the time wrong. And <laughs> when I got, got to like my first 30 or first 10 loops, I'm like, okay, I'm over a marathon. I swore I'd never do another marathon again, but I guess I did one. And everybody else was dropping off. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to keep going. And when I got to about mile 40, I'm like, you know what? I'll just turn this into a double marathon. <laughs> because mathematically two negatives is a positive so then technically i wouldn't have done a marathon and so i just literally stretched out to an ultra marathon of 52 and a half miles a double marathon and you know almost died during it or you know felt like i was dying which is part of making sure that's actually a real ultra you have to feel horrible during it <laughs> at some point and as i was recovering over the next couple of days i'm like you know what i could i could do this again if i actually trained a little better and was slightly smart about my nutrition and everything, I could really do this. So about six months later, I ended up doing a hundred kilometers in a day. I ended up doing the hundred kilometers in about two hours less than it take me to do the 52 miles. Wow. And so as, and the next day I actually felt pretty good. 
uh, in terms of my recovery. So I'm like, all right, so I'm going to start, you know, give me a week and then I'll start really training. And I was training to do 125 kilometers actually this weekend, but uh, I ended up separating my ankle and spraining it and breaking my leg and stuff like that in January. So I'm on limited running at this point. So what, what's the mindset behind, I mean, people have lots of different things in their bucket lists and it's just like, you know, some things can be real small, some things can be huge, but some things like this are like astronomical to most people, right? Most people are not <clears throat> going to run a 5k, let, let alone doing a marathon, let alone doing an ultra marathon. So what sets you apart as far as in your, in your head, why do you want to do these races? Um, Part of it is that I'm sort of addicted to challenge. I always have been, uh, whether it was as a martial artist, whether it was pushing myself academically, uh, building my businesses. I love challenge. It, the bigger the challenge, the more excited I get. And a lot of people talk about having motivation to do things. That's not really motivation. Motivation gets you going, but it doesn't finish the job. It's the discipline to do things every single day. And I actually, I'm weird this way, but I really like the grind. I am happy in the process of working very hard and getting tiny rewards along the way to achieve something tremendous. So it doesn't matter if it's like with my business, I need to see a certain number of people per day right. to ultimately get my, the results that I want financially. Now, even though any one of those particular appointments doesn't go well and there's disappointment and heartache along the way, it is the cumulative effect of doing all the little things properly. And that's how you become a great martial artist. That's how you ultimately can write a book. That's how you build a business mm -hmm. from scratch. And so it's in my nature. And so translating that into something crazy like ultra running actually was just a logical progression thereof. So what is the, what was the main difference between the training between when you were running regular races, quote, unquote, and then starting doing these ultras? What was the difference in training for you? One of the reasons why I said I'd never do another marathon again was because of the sacrifice of the training. So it's weird because if you're going to be doing a marathon, then you need to build your body up to taking the stress of the four to five hours that's going to take. So you need to stretch your body out to being able to run 20 miles beforehand. And then when you actually do the race, it's just, you know, naturally stretching 26.2 because you have some excitement, you know, sure. you're well conditioned and all that. So it's that last, you know, extra chunk is where you reach down and pull on your reserves. And so it's running in the rain. It's going out and running in the dark. It is changing your nutrition it's going to bed earlier it's the sacrifices of not hanging out with other people which when you're in your 20s is a big sacrifice when you're in sure. your 40s and you got a couple of kids it's like oh, i'm go going to bed early that's a great idea actually <laughs> so it is the compounding around that and then having a big goal to work for it that you're willing to sacrifice the little enjoyments along the way to achieve and then just doing it and doing it and doing it and stretching your body, your spirit and your mind to be capable thereof. And what was the one thing that you took away from after you've completed it and you were done with the first one, what was the thing that you took away most from that experience that would, did you want to do it again? Did you like say, no, I'm, I'm done? How did you feel about it? 
um i want i'm you know when i was done I'm like i'm never doing this again and then that's <laughs> morning i'm like oh yeah i'm incredibly sore but you know what it's a good sore sore and then within two days i'm like yeah, i could do this again so that shows you know when you have the bug when you're still in the recovery and you're like hey you know and you start contemplating doing it again or doing something even tougher that's when you know you're cut out for whatever that is whether it's entrepreneurship or for uh you know uh writing or going on tour as a musician when you're in that recovery right afterwards and you're already excited to get back on it so that is one determining factor that i would tell your listeners is if you find something like that where you start even when it hurts contemplating doing it again it's probably something that you should keep doing and what did your family you said you had a group of friends that were supportive and were kind of into this as well but what did your family members say what did, what do your coworkers or your employees think of you running these races and and doing this what most would consider something a little bit definitely my non-running friends all think i'm completely insane uh-huh. okay and you have to split your friends like this because running friends are like dude this is awesome let's go you know mm. they're encouraging it they're like you know I, tell me about your training you know hey i i you know tried this sports drink you might want to try this hey this is a weird idea but you know drinking pickle juice actually helps you recover and it's like okay so there's that group of people who are in that space mm-hmm. who are very supportive And so you see this with other writers, with other entrepreneurs, Mm -hmm. with other musicians, you know, they are your people in that capacity. And then everybody else thinks that you're completely nuts. And how do you deal with, how do you deal with that portion of it though? How do you deal with those? I ignore them. them. (laughs) Or you just don't talk about it with them or, or yeah, yeah, we don't talk about Bruno. Uh, So, (laughs) or you try and bring them into the fold in some capacity, like for example, uh, when I was doing the ultra, I went and I was running around the house a bit. And so I made my 10 uh, year old come on out and run a lap around the house with me. And he's scrawny and lazy and doesn't want to do that rather play video games. But so that lap took a long time, a long, long time. <laughs> he, he kept getting distracted by bugs and stuff like that too, because he's ADHD. But he's like, okay, this was cool. And then I, my middle son, who was 14 at that point, went out and ran 5K with me. And he's run, he ran a couple of 5Ks with me earlier. So we did that. And that's literally how I finished the first marathon of that day was with him so that he could feel that experience with right. me. And it actually inspired him. And he went out and he, he ran off and on throughout the rest of the day. So he did a full marathon that day. Wow. <laughs> that's exciting. And he told me it later. I'm like, good job, buddy. I'm proud of you. I'm so you know, if you can have a little bit of a connection, as long as they're not negative about what you're trying to do, right. then it is, is what you need. Because I've seen very often people trying to build a business and their spouse or significant other is not supportive of it. And so they're really waging two battles, one on the home front right. and then one in the office. And that is a situation that is very treacherous for them on both fronts and that you know they could win on one and lose on the other or more often than not they're actually going to lose on both oh, yeah i uh, i typically tell folks 
as they're looking through their bucket list to um, keep it close to the best, share it with just people that, you know, really support you and love you. Because if you, you share it with other people, there's a lot of dream stealers out there and a lot of naysayers and, and, uh, oh. people, you know, it's the old quote that just, if you enjoy it, it doesn't matter if it makes sense to other people. And so I think that's super important. And in a lot of ways, people are like the crabs in the bucket and that they want to tear you down. So if you want to do something truly incredible, then you're going to quickly see who are the people who are supporting and uplifting you and who are the people who are trying to tear you down around it. So when I released the book and I said, okay, I'm going to be a New York Times bestselling author at some point, the negativity that I heard from some people mm. was incredible. And it's like, all right, now I see where your attitude is and your mindset that you're not happy for somebody trying to achieve something great. Uh, and so sometimes you got to cut those people out. Yeah. I heard the other day that somebody has a chuck it list. Uh, there's a bucket list of things you want to do. And there's a, a chuck it list of things that you need to get rid of. And sometimes that that's people sometimes, unfortunately. Exactly. Or as I used to call it addition by subtraction. There you sometimes go. your team gets better by taking people off of it. Right, exactly. Um, yeah, I, I like to use the Marie Kondo uh, example. You know, it's just like I can have gratitude for something or someone, but I don't have to keep it. I can let it, let it go if I need to. Whereas my mom taught me when I was young, I love you, but right now I don't like you very much. <laughs> there you go. What would be something that you would suggest? I mean, would you recommend this ultra marathoning to other people? And, and if someone said, yeah, I'm thinking about doing that. Um, besides a little bit of the training that we already talked about, what are some of the things that you would suggest to them to make sure that they'd be successful? Well, one of the things I would really recommend for people is that they find their equivalent of the ultra marathon, mm. something that's going to take them six months of hard work, of changing their mindset, of changing their habits, of you know, forcing them to make the decisions of, is this contributing to my goal on a regular basis? And get something like that, that they're working towards, because it's going to build discipline that is cross-functional. So it doesn't matter if it's being applied to an athletic endeavor like um, ultra running or, you know, biking 100 miles or anything like that, or if it applies to mastering an instrument or learning to cook better or um, you know getting a designation with work or finishing a degree so find something that is your equivalent of that ultra marathon where you have to work at it every single day and you have this big goal that you're stretching out towards that hopefully has uh, things that you can knock off along the way whether it's the various tests or performances or what have you so find something like that um, because that is going to give you more organization in your life and more focus. And you're going to find out that you're improving in other areas because of this aim that you have with something particular. Yeah. So yeah. that's the first thing. So it doesn't have to be ultra running. If you're going to do ultra running, what I would recommend that you do is start setting goals that lead to the ultra marathon. So we don't get off the couch and uh, having not run at all for years, suddenly go out and run a marathon. Unless sure. you're a freak, there are a couple of freaks like that. But you know, <laughs> assuming you're a normal human being, then basically build a staircase of goals. Mm -hmm. So say, all right, 
I haven't been running, I'm going to go and I'm going to run a 5K in three months. Okay, so enough time to get into it, you know, without any damage. And then three months after that, I'm going to do a 10K. So set those as your initial stages and then say, next year, I'm going to do a half marathon and the year after that, a marathon. Okay, yeah. so that you have enough time to acclimate to these changes. Because I've seen a lot of people who have done a marathon with some charity, whether it's team and training or uh, what have you. And then afterwards, they basically never do any distance running again. And they're actually in worse mental and physical shape after than they were before because they didn't develop and ingrain within themselves the habits mm -hmm. that come from doing these big tough things so if you're going to do that 5k it's like okay what do you need to do all right one get the proper equipment so you have shoes and stuff like that two you know get a little guidance so that you're not just out there trying to do it on your own you know like look at um there's some decent running groups on facebook uh don't join bad ultra runner advice by the way because we actually <laughs> do give the worst possible advice on the planet to each other it's actually comedy so do the opposite of what we're telling each other there <laughs> no you don't have to carry a boat and you shouldn't do shots of fireball while you're doing your ultra marathon probably um <laughs> yeah as i said it's really bad advice and it's hilarious to because people hopefully realize that's bad advice quickly but get some good advice you know get a book on running uh, go join a local group that is doing 5Ks and, you know, go do some basic training runs with them of one or two miles and, you know, talk to other individuals, um, participate in forums, uh, sign up. There's numerous um, email groups and stuff like that where you can get, you know, actually hire a coach potentially for your very basics so that you get an understanding or get a trainer in the gym with the understanding of this is what I'm working towards lay that foundation, then keep working and building off of it. So being able to stretch from a 5K to a 10K is not that difficult. Right. A 10K is like one of the best distances because you can run it in a roughly an hour. You can do your training in two mornings a week of an hour and then, you know, a little bit, you know, half hour here and there. It's not like you have to carve out three hours, four hours like you have to do for a marathon or for like with my ultra running. I would literally... A couple of weeks before, I'd have to do five or six five-mile runs throughout the day. Wow. <laughs> okay. So you don't have to go that extreme, but you know, you do be able to do the five, and then you're being able to do the 10. And you keep at that 10 to 12 or 15 kilometer sort of distance for a while until it is truly become part of who you are, until you identify with I am a runner. Yeah. Then you can start stretching out again, because if you don't get that identity of, I am an entrepreneur, I am, you know, a college graduate, I am X, then you're not going to be able to go to the higher levels because you have a discordance in your belief system in a lot of ways. And so you don't believe it. So you're building your castle on sand until you've done it enough that you actually have some good bedrock there. So what, what are some of the things that you took from the ultra marathon and you said you wrote a book, I believe it's called everyday excellence. Mm -hmm. What are some of the things that you took from the ultra marathon that <clears throat> affected what you wrote in the book or contributed to what you wrote in the book? So one of the big things that I took from the book or from writing the ultra marathon, and I was doing them both simultaneously, um, was 
that you can do more, you can be more. Mm. The average human at 40% of their capacity taps out. You know, we never push ourselves that hard, whether it's with academics or work or our relationships or what have you. So we never realize the greatness that we have inside. Mm. And once you start realizing that you can do really difficult things, then you can apply that to other areas. So like when I was about mile 40 into the first ultra, you know, and I was really feeling it physically and emotionally. I was almost spent. I had a friend reach out to me because she was having a bad situation. And so I literally took whatever emotional reserves that I had that I was playing for that last 12-ish miles and I expended it on her. Mm. I was using it on her to help get her through her situation. And so by doing these difficult things, you develop resilience that you don't realize that you have that you can tap into when say your mom's dying of cancer or your father has Alzheimer's or you're dealing with a divorce or you're dealing with you know, a cancer scare of your own or something like this, or you're losing your job or what have you. So it is doing the difficult things when you don't have to makes mm. it not necessarily easier, but you know that you can get through these times when you have to, because there's no other choice. Yeah. It's the, a lot of times I get asked, you know, like, where do I, where do I start on my bucket list? Like what, what item do I start with first? And, you know, for, for me, it's always, you know, what can you get the, the most success out of or joy out of the quickest um, for yourself um, on your list? And it's because once you get that feeling of crossing something off, then it becomes easier to look at the next item and the next item and the next item so that you're not stagnant of, of I can't do it, I can't do it, I can't do it. So, so one of the things is people should translate that from these big hairy things into the commonplace. Yeah. So okay. for example, here's my goals for the day or not even my goals. Uh, at the start of the day, I sit down, I take a blank three by five card. I write down the handful of most important things that I need to get done that day. So it might be, you know, I need to write this uh, article or I need to uh, confirm this speech or what have you. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I might need to put together this proposal and get it out the door. Whatever those things are, I write them down. And it's gotta be a handful, three to five things. And as you go through, you cross them off. Right. So this way, you're taking care of the most important things as opposed to getting caught up in all the minutia of the life, which happens all the time. But when you're done and I throw it in the garbage sometime between 11 and two o'clock during the day, and sometimes it gets much later than that if something on there is complex. But when you do that, you're building the habit of checking things off the list. Mm -hmm. And it's a great way to be able to remember that there are things that seem urgent, but aren't that important. Yeah, I, I found that the uh, bucket list creates more lists, right? So once you decide that you're going to cross something off, <clears throat> you have to make a whole nother list of how to do that. Yeah. Even if you know, I recently got my knuckle tattoos and people would think, well, that's not a very long list. So, well, it's not, but I, you know, I had to make an appointment to pick an artist. I had to make an appointment. Yeah, there's had, an entire had, process yeah, around that. Right, exactly. And so creating another list uh, to do is to make sure you can cross those things off is super important. And so, so like even on a, a, a weekend, if you've got like all these chores around the house that you have to do, you write down the list. And it might be sure. like 20 little things, but you look at them and it's like, okay, what's going to take the longest out of that? Right. Okay, you know, this one's probably going to take 20 minutes. 
I, I'm going to tackle that one first because then you tackle the most difficult or the ones you hate the most or uh, the longest ones initially. So the ones that take the most time or energy and you knock them off and then things get easier and easier, even though you've got less power and strength to get through it, but you're building momentum simultaneously. And then all of a sudden you're through the whole thing and you throw the list out and you're like, woohoo, all right, it's party time. Yeah, I, I can relate to that. I've never been the most disciplined person uh, over my 52 years. And so when I decided that I was going to start tackling my own bucket list, I picked one of the big, hairy, audacious goal ones. I walked the Camino de Santiago in Spain, which is 790 kilometers over about 30 days. Mm. And, uh, and so I had to, you know, I had, I had to take on something and complete it to feel good about myself. And, and now the rest of the list looks like, you know, it's, oh, I could do that. I could do that. I could do that. It's not right. as bad. Yeah. Joe, tell, tell me what's, what's the next thing on your list that you want to cross off? What's something not on your to-do list for the day, but, but like on a bucket type list? What, what was the big ones? Well, with writing the book, Ryan Holiday actually said that writing a book is sort of like doing a marathon. So mm -hmm. you spend all this time and you write this book and you put in all this effort and you know you hammer on the marathon and you cross the finish line and you're like, woohoo, I'm done. And they <laughs> lead you over to the side and you think that they're bringing you over to give you your medal. And it's actually the start of another marathon yeah. that you have to run. <laughs> right. So having done the two marathons a day, I know exactly how that feels. But this is now the component with my book that is that second marathon. You know, so I wrote it, we've, you know, done the editing, but now it's marketing and it's doing the right. podcast. You know, I do like seven to 10 podcasts a day, doing <laughs> the radio spots, writing the support articles, all this sort of stuff that goes with the initial work. That's part two on it. So now, you know, I wrote a book that I'm very proud of, but now comes to the part of getting the message out there, getting it to people so that they can use the lessons therein to help on their big, hairy, audacious goals. That's awesome. Uh, Joe, thank you so much for being here. I appreciate your time today. I wish you all the best of luck. Um, I hope your, your day turns out well. And um, how can people find you on the internet uh, if they've listened to us today and, and wanna uh, get more information? So the easiest way is to go to my website. It's everyday-excellence with Joe, or it's actually everyday-excellence.com. That's everyday-excellence.com. And on Twitter and Facebook, I'm at EDE with Joe. Okay. So that's for everyday excellence. So at EDE with Joe, any of those places you can find me. And on the website, there's all sorts of additional microblogs, so little quick hits of additional guidance and information to help people on a daily basis, in addition to the book, to be able to do what they need to do on their journey to excellence. Awesome. We will put all those uh, information into the show notes so that folks can find you very easily. Joe, thanks for being here. I appreciate it. This is a great conversation. I wish you all success in the world. Roger, thank you. Be excellent and grow today. As a reminder to our listeners, in this episode's show notes, you will find links to learn more about this week's guests and information on how you can cross this item off of your list. 
You can follow my adventures of crossing items off my bucket list on Instagram and Facebook. And as always, new episodes of this podcast are available to stream every Friday morning. We will meet you here next week. And until then, keep living out your list. Thank you.